we talk about God here today. We pray to him, we sing to him, we've done that. But what is it about God that is particularly drawing you to him this morning? What is it that's on your mind here today? I mean, what are the top three things you most enjoy in your life? Food, a person, activity, is it God? I mean, when you enjoy something, is it because there are certain things about them? I would suggest to you that it, if God is not on your list, it's because you don't know him well enough. The fact is to know God is to enjoy, enjoy him. To know things about God is to be in wonder about him. If we are to define who it is that God is, we might use this definition out of Westminster's Shorter Catechism, which says this, God is spirit. He is infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, just, justice, goodness, and truth. Knowing God, what is it you mean when you say God? My friends, what is it that you mean? Hmm. Well, we're going to talk about God here this morning. We're going to talk about his nature. We're going to talk about his attributes. We're going to get to know God a little better as we stop to think about who it is that God is. So when we think about the nature of God, who is God in your mind? When you think about God, what is it that you think Hmm. Well, I suggest, friends, we talk about his nature. We could define and put forth a definition of who God is. And I might recommend this one, something I learned at uh, the Moody Bible Institute, that God is spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, in truth, a definition of God. It's so much I want you to hear it again. God is spirit, spirit, infinite. There is no beginning, there is no end. There is nothing that can contain God. He is infinite, eternal, no beginning, no end. He is unchangeable. Another word for that is immutable. God is the same Yesterday, today, and forever. That is Hebrews 13, 7, I believe. It's probably not that reference now that I think about it, but don't worry about it. It's in there. <laughs> you ever forget a reference? Ever been one of those kids trying to, you got the verse down, you just can't remember where to find it, my friends. But he is eternal. He is infinite. He is unchangeable. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. He is faithful. And in his person, he is faithful to us. He is unchangeable in his being, in his wisdom, in his power, in his holiness, in his justice, in his goodness, and his truth. God is who we're talking about here today, my friends. 
And what we're talking about here is some things that you might enjoy most in life. Enjoy. Let's think about the word enjoy. What is it that comes to your mind when you talk about enjoyment? Is it a food? Did you think of maybe a big a hot cherry pie with vanilla ice cream over? Mm, just think about it. Mm. Just a second. <laughs> I mean, you know, things that are good. How about holding hands and taking a walk with the one you love? How about those little kids running around laughing, telling stories, talking about things that they learn? What is it that you enjoy? What comes to mind? My friends, today we want to talk about enjoying God. Is that something that comes to your mind when you think about the things that you enjoy? And does it sound foreign? I mean, surely we ought to worship God and we must study God and we must obey God and all of those things are true. But my friends, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, in the question of what is the chief end of man? What is the purpose for which God has designed you? It is to bring glory to God and to enjoy him forever. Think about that. Reviewing perhaps in your mind even now this past week. Has there ever been a moment where you just enjoy God? He is spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable. In his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Well, friends, to know God is to enjoy him. So the obstacle to enjoying God might be twofold. The first and most important is knowing him. But every single time, sin will get in the way. So how is it that we can know him? Well, there are some things that we ought to know about him. So we're going to look at God's nature. We're going to consider, my friends, his moral attributes and his non-moral attributes here this morning in knowing God. When I was a student, first-year student at the Moody Bible Institute, they had this class called Systematic Theology. And that sounded so technical, and it didn't seem very Christian because I had never heard the word before <laughs> and I grew up in the church but I'll tell you friends it's an amazing class that we took in the study of God systematically understanding who he is and when we talk about the nature of God one of the things that we will take note of is the unity of God one of the things that set Israel apart from all other nations was their belief in one God. As a matter of fact, their doctrinal statement about this is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6-4. Deuteronomy 6-4. In Hebrew, a Jew might say it this way, Shema Yisrael, Yahweh Eloheinu, Yahweh Echad. And that just simply means this, my friends. The Lord your God, the Lord is one, one God. That one talks about number, but it talks about unity. 
And it's uh, perhaps even in the word God, Elohim. Those of you that know Hebrew, raise your hand. You know that right away the, the word Elohim ends with I am. And it gives us the idea of a plural. There are, there are just words about God that never fully capture who he is. But when we talk about the nature of God, we must first talk about the unity of God. There is only one God and that the divine nature is undivided and indivisible. One of the dangers that we might have when we talk about God the Father and then God the Son and then over here is God the Holy Spirit to mistake that for three gods. Friends, how many gods are there? One there is one God. There are a lot of made-up gods. You know, I, in First Kings, you know, I remember, recall reading just, you know, where Israel, led, led on by God, empowered by them, defeating the enemies. You know, uh, well, their reasoning was this. Well, their God is the God of the mountain, but we'll be just fine in the valley because there's all kinds of different gods. You got the God of the cupcakes, you got the God of the trees, and the God of the rocks, and, the, and all of these gods, my friends. There is one God, and Yahweh is his name. The unity of God. But then when we talk about the unity of God, we talk about the trinity of God. A better word introduced, I think, is triunity. Triunity. Three persons, one essence. The Father, the Son, the Spirit of God. The unity of God followed by the trinity of God. There are three co-equal, co-eternal persons in one divine essence, known as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. These things show up in Jesus' life many times. We can talk about uh, his baptism. You may recall that the, the, the clouds parted and that the Spirit came down, and this is a metaphor, like a dove. It doesn't say there was a dove that came down and it was just the Spirit of God. And then the voice from heaven, you have the Father declaring, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. You have the Spirit manifesting himself over Jesus and you have the Son of God. Three persons, one essence. How does it work? Well, friends, you don't know and neither do I. We couldn't possibly comprehend the very nature of God. We only have what the Scripture tells us about God. God is completely different and certainly far above all of us. So there are three co-equal, co-eternal persons in one divine essence. And all three persons are God and all three persons share the attributes of God. Every one of them and God's omnipotence, his omniscience, uh, you know, the fact that God is all-powerful, that God is everywhere at all times, and his truthfulness. We'll go back to that definition. God is spirit, and, and uh, he, he is is. Um, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, in his wisdom, in his power, in his holiness, in his justice, in his goodness, in his truth. 
God is the ideal person in what you would like to see or be in your own life. God is in his perfection. And my friends, when we talk about God, we talk about his nature, the unity of God and the trinity of God. And there are no illustrations that work of the Trinity. There is nothing. People have put forth different varying illustrations. Like the Trinity is, is like an egg. You got the shell and you got the, the yolk inside and the white part. It's like an apple. It's, there's all kinds of things that people have tried to do. But all of those are parts of God. We don't have parts of God. We have one essence and three persons. Persons, by the way, is defined as personality, intellect, emotion, and will. You know, and, uh, and so, so there are no illustrations. There is no way for us to fully comprehend the Trinity of God, which is, by the way, one of the reasons we ought to sit back and be blown away by the God that we serve. These are the kinds of thoughts to think that God is high and lofty above all of us, that he reigns over all. He is separate and distinct from all of his creation. God is not in the tree and in the rock. and the, God is separate and distinct from all of these things. And yet, his presence is there wherever you go, no matter where you run and no matter where you hide. And so we talk about the Spirit of God, and there, there are no, no illustrations. Some mistakes that some people have made is, is uh, something referred to as modalism. Just like uh, Melanie, my wife, is, is, is certainly a wife, and uh, she's a mother, and she's a sister, and she's a daughter, some people have tried to explain that's what uh, the Trinity is like, and it's not. God is not sometimes the Son and sometimes the Spirit and sometimes the Father. Three persons, one essence. Do you understand it? And the answer is no. <laughs> you can only know what the Bible says and, and, uh, and, and accept it as true. God is not a man. We often try and want to make God just like us. And while we are made in his image, he is not made in ours. So God is, is certainly to be worshipped and looked upon in, in awe. There is no doubt about it. And so we talk about his nature, the unity of God, and the trinity of God, and the essence of God. I mean, when we talk about God's essence... We're referring to the basic uh, properties or substance in which the qualities of God find their source. What does that mean? It's the stuff that God is made of. What is God made of? God is not material. I mean, the Son took on flesh. There's no doubt about that, material. But God is spirit. What does it mean to be spirit? Certainly it means not material. As a matter of fact, Jesus, when his disciples saw him having risen from the dead, you know, they, they didn't know how to perceive what they were seeing. And he, Jesus, explaining this says, a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. It was a bodily resurrection. But in that, he defines spirit. No bones, no flesh. It's the stuff that no one can see. It is who you truly are. 
And so God is spirit. It's one of the reasons that no man can see God. Because he is non-material. Our eyes can only see that which is material. So God is spirit. He is invisible. And he is a person. And again, when we talk about person, we talk about personality, self-consciousness, self-determination, intellect, the ability to reason, emotion. God is angry. God is happy. God is what? You know, all of these emotions reflect the God who made us. And the fact of the matter is this, my friends, the creation is a reflection of the creator, but it does not mean is the same thing. So God is invisible. He is a person. He has intellect, the reason, emotion, and will. God is self-existent. He is not dependent on anything. Before anything existed was God. Well, where was he? God is non-material. He doesn't need location. He exists. Does that make sense to you? Well, of course not. We couldn't possibly imagine that. But friends, just because we can't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. We're talking about the God we worship who is high and mighty, greater than our even imagination could render him. And so God is, he is spirit, he is invisible, he is a person, he is self-existent. Again, he's not dependent on, God doesn't need to eat or breathe or any of the things that you and I need to stay alive. And he is immense. He transcends all spatial limitations. That's why Jesus walking through walls and just appearing, distance means nothing to God. There is no place you can run that is too far from him, my friends. He knows your deepest thoughts and the longings of your heart. God truly relates to us based on these things. Not just what we show people, but who we are. This is the way that God knows us. And my friends, he is eternal. He is free from all succession of time and, and without beginning or end. There was never a time away from God. God is eternal. For God, everything is a now. There is no waiting with God. There is no looking back. Everything is now. That's the way God knows us. And... That is God, eternal, free from all succession of time. Psalm chapter 90 and verse 2, we read, Before the mountains were brought forth, or over ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And he is immutable. Immutable is one of those theological terms. We don't often come across that word. It means unchangeable. God is not growing. God is not developing. There are not new things that God is learning. God is omnipotent. He has all power. There are no limitations to God. You know, people like to play jokes, you know. Can, can God pick up a rock so big he can't pick it up? You know, it's nonsense. God is all-powerful. There is nothing that can stop God. And he is all-knowing. And his omniscience includes 
everything that is possible, probable, likely, could happen, might have happened, and, and, and maybe things should have happened. Choices that every one of us should have made. If it were chess, he knows all the moves possible for every game, every played. So God is, is immutable, unchangeable, nothing to grow in. God is perfect in all things. And so talking about his nature, now let's talk about his attributes. And why do we talk about these things? Because, my friends, you will no, never fully appreciate God and worship him as he is certainly worthy of unless you begin to know him. It is my hope here this morning in talking about any of these attributes of God that it sparks your interest, that it causes you to go a little deeper and say, hey, I want to know more about my God because there is oh so much more. This is the God we worship. To say that God is good is sometimes misunderstood as God is nice. You know, greatly underestimated, my friends, and understated. God is great, and the word great could never fully cover it. There is a God still yet to be discovered, no longer how long you've been following him, how many Sunday school classes you've sat in. If you have a PhD in theology, friends, there is more. There is more to be experienced and to be understood about the God we worship. And so when we talk about moral attributes, what we mean is things like this, God is holy. Now, you know, and, and I know, that holy means to be separate and distinct. Holy can be um, an item used for a particular purpose. But when we talk about God's holiness, we mean that he is absolutely distinct from his creation and from sin. When we talk about God, we're highlighting his moral excellency and purity, to be pure is by definition to be like God. The angels in Revelation sing holy, holy, holy about God. There is nothing like him in his perfection. He is certainly the goal, my friends, to live as God has called us to live and model before us. But God is not just holy, he is righteous and he is just, which means this, that whatever it is that God does or allows is right. Now, what are we talking about here? Does that mean oh, sin is okay? No, God's plan in allowing sin is a plan that will ultimately bring glory to him, which means to reveal who he is to us. It is in the darkness of sin that we see the amazingness of his holiness, his perfection, his love laid out towards sinners who vastly do not deserve it. That's you and I, my friends. None of us deserve the grace of God. That's the very nature of grace. It is extended to the one who does not deserve it. God's mercy is on display because, my friends, we deserve judgment. We deserve the worst possible thing that you could possibly imagine 
times the largest number you could ever comprehend. That is how great our sin is and how great we have offended this God. And yet he shows mercy. How can a God ever show mercy to us because he is a great God? Mercy giving to those who deserve nothing. Hmm, that's grace. Mercy is withholding the judgment that you and I deserve. My friends, God is great. He is great. He is good. He is good. And then again, that, that just sounds like such an understatement. You know, hey, how are those waffles? They're good. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about moral purity here. When we talk about good, we mean that God has all the qualities, again, of an ideal person. He is love. Love, you recall, is a sacrifice for the good of someone else. Love sounds very selfish the way we use it. Oh, I love that. I love it when she... Yeah, it could be because you're the center of it all. But love is not that way. That's like, that's enjoy. We're talking about sacrificing for the good of someone else, giving out of ourself to invest in someone else's life. That is the great love of God towards sinners like you and I. God is good. He is love. He is kind. The kindnesses of God, like a cool breeze on a hot day, sitting under the shade, and you feel the warmth, and you can peel off that winter coat, and maybe, you know, some short pants, and uh, maybe a short sleeve shirt, and enjoy the beauty of the world that God made for us. And across comes that breeze. A little perspiration on the back of your legs, but that breeze takes care of it, my friends. God is kind to us. He, he didn't just rescue us from death, from hell, friends. He rescued us to eternal life. God is good. He is a God of love and a God of kindnesses. And he is merciful and gracious, and he is patient. Are we not grateful that God is patient? When's the last time you thanked God for his patience? When you look at yourself and you say, I shouldn't have done that. I never should have said it. I knew better. Thank God that he is a patient God. You see, he is working in us slowly. You know, some a little faster than others, depending on how much you're cooperating, really. You know, to conform us to the character of his son. I mean, he's got this, this perfection awaiting you. And he is patiently through all of these difficulties, through the good times and the bad times. God uses the goodness uh, that he presents sometimes to bring us to repentance. When he could surely knock you over by the side of your head, sometimes it's just the goodness of God that makes you say, I shouldn't have walked away. I really need to go back and ask for forgiveness. The goodness of God. It's Romans 2.4, I believe. He is, he is good, my friends. And then we talk about the non-moral attributes of God. These are things that have nothing connected to right or wrong, but these are some attributes of God. And we've already mentioned some of them. For example, be, he is omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times. 
So God is near the suffering widow who wonders how she will take the next step without her husband. And she is with us, the parent, the father who just lost a son in the hospital and knows not. He's everywhere. He's not in, just in my house, in your house. And God is everywhere we are. The only distance we have from God is the distance we create when we choose our own will over his. When we are, by the very definition of sin, selfish only thinking about ourselves. Very opposite of love, if love is investing in others, then sin is only thinking about ourselves and only doing what we think is good for us. Separate, distinct God is from us. He is everywhere and he is omniscient. Again, God knows himself and all things, both actual and possible, past, present, and future. From all eternity, there is not a thought that will cross your mind, my friends, that God does not know about. And, and friends, that's just not a conviction thing to make you feel bad about those things you were thinking this morning. Friend, that means he knows your broken heart. He knows your fears. He knows your desires, how you long to live for him, how you long for a bigger appetite for his righteousness. And he knows what pulls you away. There is not a thing that is hidden from God. He knows not only what is, but what could have been. What is possible? Jesus said, I, I could have called 10,000 angels. And you know, ex I know exactly what would have happened. Why? Because he's omniscient. There is no mystery in guessing with God. So he not only knows what is right and best for you, he knows why. It is right and best for you. All of the things that you will avoid and maybe even some difficulties you'll go through because he knows the end result. And my friends, that's why God's purposes are perfect. And so not only is he omnipresent everywhere and omniscient, he knows everything. He is omnipotent which again means all power. God possesses all power to do everything that is in harmony with his nature. It never increases and nor will it ever decrease. When you go to God in prayer and seek his help, friends, it is not in hope that he could do it, unless by hope you mean exactly what hope means an expectation that God can act and will act. When you ask for his forgiveness, he will forgive. When you ask for his strength, he can provide. Why? Because he has strength unlimited. This is the God we worship. This is what it is we ought to have in mind when we pray, when we sing these songs of worship, when we face the obstacles of life and wonder, who will stand with us? What kind of God is he in heaven? Does he care? My friends, he does. How do you know? Because he sent his son to become a sacrifice for our sin, to die in our place, a substitute, that we might be forgiven and reconciled to him, a future guaranteed with him, 
Why? Because of something we've done? No, friends, the only thing we contribute to our salvation is the sin by which we must be forgiven. And so, friends, you will never worship a God you hardly know. You just won't. Singing songs because you like them, friends, is not worship. Prayer, simply because you need something, does not honor God. Prayer because you have a relationship with this God and you know that God is glorified when we go to him and we ask and we love and we, we worship him because of these things, my friend. The God you worship. How big is your God? Huh? Is God nothing more than I need? Well, my friends, do you ever just linger in prayer? Because the Spirit of God brings to mind the God it is whom you speak to. You ever just get one of those big, big smiles on your face and think, how fortunate you are to know God when so many people don't. How good it is of God to reveal himself to you. God doesn't need us. God has angels who can sing and praise him nonstop for all eternity. And yet in his grace, he's chosen you to make himself known. Friends, that ought to change the way you worship. For certainly in knowing him, you cannot help but worship him. To recognize how incredible he is. Incredible, as if that's enough to describe it. So you will never worship a God, truly. Worship a God you hardly know. So knowing God, it means learning. It means get a PhD in God. And I'm not even talking about running off to school. I mean, making it your life's work. You know how when you met that special someone and, you know, and then you got married and, you know, and, and you made it your life's work to know everything about it. I just remember walking through the city of Chicago. And Melanie, you'll remember this too. Remember all the questions. You know, and they're, they're just one question after another. I want to know about your background. I want to know what you love, what you enjoy, what, what, what matters to you. And I remember at the end of the one particular night, she says, when do I get to ask all the questions, you know? But I'll tell you, when something matters, you want to know everything about it. I mean, remember when, when you just held that newborn in your hand and you say, oh, i got to be a doctor on this one. I need to know everything there is about. We used to have stacks of books next to our bed, just reading about babies and developments. And I mean, friends, when something matters, don't you want to know about it? you got to get to know God. And I'm not talking about just your general Sunday school stuff. God is good. He loves us. He died for our sin. Those are not small things, friends. But there is more. There is more to know. There is even more to experience. When's the last time you experienced the power of God in your life? Do you remember that? Yeah? Friends, there's more. Ain't enough to have a book on yourself, my friends. You've got to live it. You got to live it. You're missing out otherwise. Can God be trusted? I mean, is he really good? I mean, how does he lead you? 
You know, is there a certain way that God tends to let you know it's time to change course? You know, is there a certain way that God has connected with you to show you these new things, to open your eyes, to, to run a little harder, to slow it down a bit? How well do you really know God in this relationship? What is it you enjoy in this world? Who likes brownies? Come on, give me a hand. Who likes brownies? Like those ooey-gooey ones. Yeah, we really enjoy those things, huh? Huh? And how about pizza? You ever had that Giordano's? Come on, who doesn't like pizza? Pizza, we enjoy these things. But I'll tell you, friends, if I gave you 10 minutes to write down all the things you enjoy in this life, I wonder if God would be in that thought process. Friends, if you're not enjoying God, it's because you don't really know God. Friends, there is more. I want to tell you, there is just more. If you've never just been driving down the road and thinking, oh God, thank you. Just, just, just for showing me yourself to me. Just, just for entering into my life and, and giving me wisdom I never had and leading me to people I'd never meet and just all the good things of life. And you just worship. Friends, if that's not your experience, there's more. There's a whole lot more. Don't cheat yourself. Go deeper. God help us.